to the Nerd Crusade podcast. I'm your host Ian and with me is Courtney. Hello. This week we're going to be talking about the uh, Prime TV show uh, Vox Machia or The Legend of the Vox Machia and the newest MCU release Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, we'll start off with the uh, Vox Machina. So The Legend of Vox Machina is a D&D animated show that is based off of the most popular Twitch channel or highest earning Twitch channel. I really don't know where they fall as far popular but I know they're the highest earning Twitch channel is uh, Critical Role. <clears throat> and basically it's an animated uh, adventure of uh, their first D&D campaign is what it's supposed to be based off mm-hmm. of. Um, I'm sure there's little variants in it that are different. I've never really watched Critical Role. Um, but I know they're the most popular channel when uh, the leaks on what the earnings were of Twitch was, they were at the top of the list. Um, I don't remember what exactly the earnings was, but they make the most money on Twitch basically. Mm-hmm. And it's been real popular just because they're a Twitch channel that does a D&D game, but it's a D&D game with um, <clears throat> some big names in voice acting as far as video game voice acting and, like, some cartoon animated series and stuff like that that are, like, on uh, some Marvel or DC cartoons. Uh, it stars Matthew Mercer, who's a big name in voice acting, uh, Laura Bailey, um, Ashley Johnson, uh... Sam Regal, Marsha Ray, T- uh, Taylson J- Jaffe, and Travis Willingham. <clears throat> who, if you look at all, all their IMDb's, they all have long list of video games. I think um, some people there in that list, uh, was it Ashley Johnson or it, Ashley Johnson or Marsha Ray. I think they're both in like The Last of Us. One of them plays the voice of Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was, I think the other uh, protagonist antagonist in Last of Us 2. Um, they've all played either background voices or additional voices or main characters in a ton of stuff. Uh, Matthew Mercer was, I think, Tigra in the revamped version of Thundercats. <clears throat> and Lauren Bailey has done a ton of different voices all across the spectrum. So that's where their initial fan base came from. Uh, and then they do really good D&D game where Matthew Mercer is the dungeon master and they go through their storylines and they all do their kind of their own voices and play their characters out fairly well. So it's usually a pretty entertaining show to watch. And then they took that and they made it into an animated series, which just made it even better, basically, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's been a fun show to watch. They just wrapped season two as far as uh, releasing it on Amazon Prime Video. So you can definitely watch it there if you have Amazon Prime. I would definitely recommend it. Um, but I don't think we talked about it before at no. all. So we thought we'd talk about that that and uh, Quantum Medium this week. So we want to talk about Vox Machina. <laughs> um, I, shit, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> We're not going like, to recap season one and season two for you completely, but like... If you're a D&D fan, or if you're a fan of Critical Role, you definitely would like this. Um, if you're not a big D&D fan, it's just a good like fantasy animated cartoon series <clears throat> of a troop of people who go by the uh, name the Vox Machina. That's just like their team name. And they have uh, these adventures. And like it's a good story arc in the first season uh, that has like a lot of background to deal with one of their characters. And then the second season uh, is an even bigger adventure of them going up against uh, almost unbeatable force where they have to go and, you know, as most D&D adventures go, you have to get 
specialized weapons and armor in order to f- defeat the big boss is basically what they're what they're needing to do. And unfortunately, instead of wrapping up the storyline at the end of season two, they basically leave it on a cliffhanger where it forces them to do a season three. They have to do a season three, yeah, because like they take down one of like three or four bosses, yeah, and that's done really well and it's done hilariously. Now I wouldn't say that this is a cartoon for kids. It's definitely adult humor there. Mm-hmm. And definitely made more so for adults, which is like the critical role. I mean, it's like five adults playing D and D, so there's going to be dirty jokes here and there, and them having a good time, um, and basically pulling stunts on each other, trying to make each other laugh the whole time. That's usually what happens in critical role: is that either Matthew Mercer or one of the char- one of the people in the troupe are trying to make someone else break character and laugh their ass off. Um, as they get into ridiculous things like they can't open a door properly or they have to spend a ton of time and magic opening a door and losing health points, which is one of their inside jokes, which they do kind of portray in uh, the first season of them trying to get past a locked door, trying to crawl through the window, falls out the window, trying to use magic, can't do it, <laughs> ends yeah. up hurting themselves. Ridiculous stuff that happens in D&D that people always laugh at, but whenever you explain it, it just sounds, what? That's, that's weird. Yeah, um, it's better to experience it as is instead of a second telling yeah. by someone. But the nice thing about the cartoon, though, is it's not like you're sitting there watching people do dice rolls and stuff. You're just watching the adventure play out. Yeah. So it's like any other action-adventure cartoon. It's just this is takes place in a fantasy world. Um, yeah, it's a and d world, so I guess if you know a lot about D&D, you might know references of what the places that they're talking about or what to expect. We don't play a lot of D&D, and we've never watched their uh, season one of The Critical Role. So going in completely fresh, it was very entertaining to watch, and just being a really good animated show with good pacing and timing, because these guys have worked on material like this their entire career. So them making up their own adventure and going off on about it works out perfectly for them. Mm have nothing to add i i didn't prepare at all today and so i'm just fucked up that's fine um i'd say it's definitely worth watching there's gonna be a season three don't know when that's coming out but season one and two are on uh amazon prime right now and you can uh basically binge watch all that the first season does have, have a full completion arc that does end with this new arc for season two uh season two though i will say is like it is like a cliffhanger like they don't finish the arc um, we got to see what happens in season three and if season three is going to be just defeating another one of the big bosses or if they're actually going to close out the entire arc with season three, which I hope they would. I wouldn't want them to drag it out too much because, mm-hmm. um, what's cool about it was the first season was kind of focused around one character's backstory. And then the second season has focused behind the other character's backstories. Well, first it was like one and two is like Pike and, uh, the guy with the gun is what his name was. <laughs> Percy? Percy, yeah. Like, Pike and Percy's backstories are more so in the first season. Yeah, a little bit. And then this is, like, Vex and her twin brother and Grog's backstory. Yeah. And a little bit of, of the... Samlin? Uh, a little bit of Samlin and do- a little bit of the Kaylee, oh. is, that, is her name? The one that's, yeah. the, like, the druid? A little bit of her backstory. So you're getting more backstory on the other characters, um, as they go through this adventure, so I'm sure season three is going to dive more into probably Samlin and maybe Kaylee's backstory a little bit more because they just barely touched on those. They're basically focused on the twins more so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Definitely up there. Definitely not for kids. I wouldn't say it's as gory or as crude as Invincible is. Oh, no. Invincible is definitely not for kids by any means. Um, but this is something like for teenagers or uh, adults, mature audiences, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you let your kid play Halo, they can probably watch this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't put an eight-year-old in front of this. No, no, no. Um, but we just wanted to mention that because that is a really good animated show. Everything's done very well. Um, and you guys should check it out uh, if you haven't already. If you have Amazon Prime, which a lot of people do, might as well download the app and check it out. Amazon Prime does actually have some pretty good, decent TV shows and sometimes movies that they produce and make for just for their platform. Mm-hmm. So it is usually worth it. Um, so that's all we're going to say about that. That's all we're going to say about Vox Machina. Go check it out. It's worth watching. Um, the other big thing is last night, uh, or technically Thursday night, mm-hmm. uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania uh, came out, which would probably be the first movie of this year for the MCU. Yes. Um, I honestly say it's probably the best MCU movie they've had since uh, The Last Spider-Man. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was kind of garbage. Uh, Eternals was garbage. L- Thor Love and Thunder was kind of garbage. <laughs> Wakanda Forever wasn't great. That was basically a giant Oscar bait movie to say, hey, remember uh, Chadworth Bosman, how he died? Here's our, our memorial for him. Give us an Oscar for it. Because uh, the storyline is fucking stupid in Wakanda uh, forever. Thor, Thor Love and Thunder is a repeat of Ragnarok. Eternals was was really, really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't like any of the characters, and that whole movie was written by somebody who wanted to destroy Earth in the end, and they had to tell her, you can't do that. We have a fucking MCU that we're building. <clears throat> um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Multiverse of Madness, as... Like, they didn't bother to read the source material, even though Sam Raimi will say, oh, no, I made the Scarlet Witch more like her comic book self. It's like, but the source material is WandaVision, and he took the character, like, ten steps back through their journey of grief than where they ended up at the end of the WandaVision show. Yeah. <clears throat> Which was really annoying, because, like, it Wanda shouldn't have been in the movie. They should have had a different villain. And basically, Multiverse of Madness is an evil dead MCU version because it's another fucking evil book making somebody be evil and then them stopping it. (laughs) Yeah. So quantum quantum manian, I would say is like the first MCU movie. I think I've really enjoyed since, uh, Spider-Man, uh, no way home. Um, I would definitely suggest watching the Loki TV series. There's only six episodes, so it's real quick watch to get through, but um, that's what really introduces the first introduction to Kang is at the end of that show. And then this is like the full introduction of Kang the Conqueror leading into the Kang dynasty, I guess, stretch of the comic books. <laughs> so what did you think of it? I really enjoyed this, uh, MCU movie. Like I, like you said, it's been a while since there has been a good, like really enjoyable and cohesive story uh piece um hopefully we get that with the last uh guardians of the galaxy movie as well but we'll wait and see but i you know i really love the creature design in quantumania and the story the progressive story through it is really good and also at the end i like how 
leaves it open like, oh, what's going to happen? Here's like the next big bad that's coming. <clears throat> so it's, this was the one that finally sets up like what's going to be happening in the next few movies for the MCU. Or at least the big villain that they're going to be leading towards. Kind of like how the Avengers first showed us Thanos. Yeah. And that was just a glimpse of people who knew who knew. Much like with Loki, if you knew who... Um, he's listed in that movie as the one who remains. But if you knew who he was there, that was your big hint that, oh, this is Kang the Conqueror, or Kang from Kang Dynasty. This is another big bad new. I think in Quantumania, they did a good job of showing how he's a bigger threat than Thanos. Yes. But it really does require you to watch Loki to understand why it's such a big thing. Um, at least to kind of grasp it because like none of this would be possible without Loki fucking it up. Yeah. Because <laughs> basically Loki caused all this to happen. But it's one of those things where it's like, kind of reminds me of like the end of um, Cabin in the Woods where it's like, do you do the thing to, to that will save the world as you know it? Or do you let free will be free and just say fuck it and see what happens? Mm-hmm. And they basically just go, fuck it, we're going to see what happens. Fuck, fuck your master plan and your manipulation. And they're just going to basically unleash the multiverse. And that's what happens at the end of Loki is the multiverse is basically created. And that's how you get multiverse of madness, Spider-Man No Way Home and all that stuff is because of those actions. So, I definitely think this was a good movie. Um, they do have, uh, I thought, Ant-Man, the Wasp, having Hank Pym and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer back in it, and actually seeing more about the, kind of learning more about what happened to her when she was trapped in the quantum realm for 30 years, mm-hmm. and kind of getting a glimpse of what was going on there, and what type, what type of universe that was, was kind of cool to get a closer look at that. And then also to kind of see Paul Rudd and... Uh, his daughter kind of bond finally on that where um, every other Ant-Man and uh, Endgame uh, he has to go off and do something and not, yeah, it's not basically with his... be with his daughter. Yeah, I mean for the guy like his most important thing was not to miss any more, any more of his daughter's life and it ends up missing over five years of his daughter's life because of Endgame. Uh, or Infinity Wars ending. And then now it kind of brings them into the fold where, like, the whole family are all, like, basically can all be superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the superhero life without some massive danger, right? And then do you take a break or do you uh, focus on still trying to help people? That's kind of the dilemma that Scott Lang finds himself in where he's like, hey, I wrote a book. I helped save the world. I think I've done my job as Ant-Man. And then his daughter's like, well, I'd rather keep trying to save people. <laughs> Um, and as a protective father, he's trying not to, not to get her in trouble and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it was a good movie. You should definitely watch it. Um, at this point, we're going to go into spoilers yes. and go deep into kind of what happens throughout this movie, um, and why it's really good. So if you haven't seen it, I would say skip this, uh, till the end. And then, um, if you don't care about spoilers, tune in or stay listening. We're going to uh, dive into it. All right. So... Quantum Medium, um, kind of big spoiler stuff is it is that it's the introduction, the full introduction of Kang, but we actually get to see what happens in the quantum uh, verse and like there's a whole universe in there of people, creatures, really cool uh, creature design, like out of this world type of concepts. 
Uh, nice nods, like, to see some other actors. That guy from um, The Good Place was in it. Yes. As and I saw him, him, I was yanking on him, going, it's him! Yeah. It's, and I loved him, and I love his character. It's just so very flat and dry. Yeah, it's really funny character as just being somebody who's telepathic, and then he keeps calling people to stop thinking of all the dirty shit they keep thinking of, and, like, they can't, so it just... It has some good comedy routines in there with that. With yeah. There. He's only in there for kind of a very short bit. Very brief. Um, and then one creature design I really liked. It was, it reminded me a lot of Dead, like the main Dead Cell character that you play as. With oh, the lantern. The guy with the lantern head. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that guy looks like Dead Cells. I wonder Yeah, there's so a guy much. that basically has like a cylinder head that shoots an energy beam out of it. Yeah. To destroy shit. And like, it was obsessed with torturing people. <laughs> like, no, don't torture them. They're fine. They can understand us. <laughs> Um, but it basically starts with, like I said, like Scott Lang has written a book. He's like gotten over his life as a superhero. His daughter is ending up in jail and stuff because like she's going to protest, trying to be a social change. Much how the younger generation now has been, has always been in every generation wanting to create some type of change or have an impact. So like you go to protest, you get political, you do that. His daughter's getting into that, but it's causing her to get arrested because I guess apparently at the beginning of the movie, she was at a protest and she shrunk a cop car <laughs> and ended up going to jail. And then when she's, as she was leaving, she gives, gives back the cop his car. Cause he has, he doesn't know where it's at. It's telling her to give it back. Um, and then we basically find out that like Hank Pym, um, Hope and, uh, her, Scott Lang's daughter have all been working on studying the quantum verse mm-hmm. and wanting to like map it out, learn more about it. And the thing is because, Hope never talks about it. She's like, spent 30 years down there. She wanted to forget about her time down there. Doesn't want to deal with it. So they just kind of start doing their own research without any input from her. So they didn't know what to expect. And unfortunately... Um, they start sending a signal down. Yeah, it's kind of cool because like... Skylings are basically like... They say she built the Hubble telescope for the Quantumverse. And is basically sending a signal down so that they can start mapping it out. But by doing so, it locks onto uh, Kang locks onto the yeah Kang Kang locks onto where they're at and basically sucks them in yeah so they all end up in the quantum verse um, wondering what the hell's going on not knowing that there's people and things there like it's they were pulled so far down to where um, Janet was that's her name yeah mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer's character Janet was. Um, they've never seen it before, knowing that there's people, creatures, a whole civilization down there. Um, also, like, Hank's been doing experiments on his own ants to, like, where he has ants that are creating their own tech and, like, are super smart. They get all get sucked down into the quantum verse. And we don't see them <laughs> yeah, for... Yeah, you literally don't see them anymore after, like, oh, yeah, here's my ant form, and look, these ants are, like, super smart, and they're doing their own thing, and then everything gets sucked into the quantum verse, and, like... It's all about them trying to regroup with each other and understand what's going on. Um, Bill Murray makes an appearance mm-hmm. um, as a random character. And it's like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, everybody's just trying to jump in on Marvel to get their Marvel money. Oh, 100%. Because <laughs> it's like, you're set for life if you get, if you get any type of role in a Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> but basically, they get pulled down, they get separated, they, they regroup or whatnot. And you find out that when Janet was down there, Kang crashes a ship down there. And his ship is busted and destroyed. And, like, she saves his life. He doesn't know where he's at. And, like, basically, 
Um, she helps him. She helps him rebuild it. his ship and get his uh, drive core up and running. But when they get up and running, it's since it's it's weird because like the tech they don't explain any of Kang's tech. It's just that he can travel through the multiverse and that his ship is connected to his own to his mind. Um, and he has technology that's far beyond anything anybody can imagine. That way, they don't have to explain how any of it works. But basically, when they turn it on, she gets a glimpse into his mind and sees that Kang, the Conqueror, was destroying timelines and killing other, other versions of himself, basically, and trying to destroy everything. Yeah. Um, they kind of hint at that he might be um, the one who remains because of he draws like the big circle timeline that he's trying to make, which is what the timeline is in the TVA and Loki. But I don't believe he is the one... He, he who remains because he who remains wins by weaponizing the Goliath thing in Loki. Yeah. The thing that can basically eat timelines where Kang is just destroying timelines and uh, killing everything around him. Um, and basically technically Kang loses because the other, the other Kangs exile him to the quantum verse, which is outside space and time so that he can't do any more damage and they can go about their business. So, we find out that he's King of the Conqueror, and so Janet sabotages his drive core, and then she leaves when they pull her out in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, she also starts a revolution against King down there. That's true, yeah. They, yeah, they do mention, like, yeah, so she realizes what King is. They start kind of a revolution. They fight him because he starts building his empire up. Because before she sabotaged his power core, he's able to get... A good chunk of his powers back. He just can't travel outside the quantum verse without his ship mm-hmm. and the drive core. <clears throat> and then she left the quantum verse in Ant Man and the Wasp. And then now she's back. Kang's hunting her down because he he needs her to or needs her or somebody to get pin particles so that they can shrink down the drive core that she blew up basically, so he can get his grand plan and invade timelines and start destroying shit again. Um, in doing all that, the kind of the basic tropes of like, yeah, Scott and his daughter get caught by Kang while, uh, Janet, Hank and Hope are out kind of with, um, on their own trying to figure out how to get to Kang and all that. Uh, Scott has to save his daughter's life by giving Kang what he wants. Obviously Kang betrays him. Um, but, and then big fight at the end against Kane. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, the big thing, the other notable thing that gets added in is Modoc is in this. <laughs> um, and Modoc, if you don't know, is he was, I think, the head villain in the Avengers video game, the one that, that flopped from uh, Square Enix. Um, but in this uh, in MCU, Modoc is basically what the Yellow Jacket turned into. The guy that was the villain in the first Ant Man, Darren. Uh, who was the yellow jacket basically got shrunk down and disappeared. Uh, that what he becomes Modoc. He got turned into a head with arms and legs, basically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then Kang basically gave him a metal suit or whatnot. And then I guess Modoc now stands for mental or has always stood for mental organism designed only for killing. Um, so he's like the killing machine for Kang, even though Kang can't stand him <laughs> and basically <laughs> hates him. And it basically everybody's like, Darren, is that you? Like, nobody like nobody really likes him and they're surprised that what he's, he's still what alive. He, he's alive and what has happened to him. Uh, which all comes to a culmination where uh 
Scott's daughter beats the shit out of him and tells him to stop being a dick. <laughs> and then he ends up kind of sacrificing himself to save the day at the end. Um, like I said, it's a common, <laughs> it's a common like trope. Like you can kind of tell what's going to happen, but it's a cool ride to be on. I felt like I like the landscaping of mm-hmm. everything in the quantum verse. I liked all the creature designs where they're very unique. The spaceships were alive that they were using to like flee in. Um, it was definitely different a unique, world. Yeah, a unique world to explore and to experience, which is very refreshing because we've <clears throat> seen New York dozens of times. We've seen San Francisco. We've seen L.A. LA. We've you know, been in the regular space in Asgard. You know, so many times throughout this MCU universe that going into Quantum Realm is like, a refreshing kind of a story and start. And that was the nice thing about like the ending sequence where <clears throat> obviously they defeat Kang at the end of this movie, but the ending, one of the ending credit sequence is... Which there are only two. Yeah, there's two. Is Dynasty of Kang appears and they're saying, hey, people are, they're starting to reach out and touch the multiverse and they're going to destroy everything we want. We need to go after them. Basically, I think him, talk, him talking about the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It was interesting, like, you have a version of Kang in an Egyptian outfit, one in, like, an ancient uh, Chinese uh, outfit, um, one that looks like a cyborg, and then, like, they are summoning all the different Kangs, which some look like the Kang that they, that they just defeated, and some look like uh, other Kangs, because, like, they're being notified that, oh, Kang the Conqueror, the exiled one, was killed uh, off, at the, uh, which... It, we don't know. Was he, was he killed? Was he not? He was just kind of shrunk down into his energy core and disappeared. And that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And they even say, like, is he dead? I don't know. Let's just, you know, GTFO. Not worry about it for now. Yeah. And then even, that was the funny part, because as they got back from all this, Alec, uh, Scott, Scott is in there thinking, hey, I saved the day again. I saved the universe. Oh, wait, but did I, he said something worse was coming. Did I just sack get everybody killed? The kind of same th- stuff that Loki was thinking at the end of the TV show where mm-hmm. they're like, the Loki we know is like, hey, wait, what if this guy's telling the truth? If we kill him, something worse is coming instead and we're screwed. And that's what made Loki so interesting. Why the multiverse was so interesting was because it opened up the, the idea that there, anything could happen so we don't know what's going to happen. Um, all the only kind of blueprint we have is like what he said at the end of Loki, which was their options were to take over the TVA and continue trimming timelines so that there's one true timeline and no multiverse, or they kill him. He comes back, destroys everything, and then eventually goes back to being the one who remains, and it all starts over again anyway. Um, and Loki, they kill him, and the multiverse is born, and therefore. We have everything that happens after that. <clears throat> so how they defeat Kang, I don't know. I've never read the Dynasty comics. Um, so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but it's interesting to see where they can go. They can do anything with it. I think the multiverse in the comics is probably more still built because original writers and character creators were retiring or leaving or dying or whatnot. So it's like, where do we go with Spider-Man? Where do we go with this? Oh, somebody else wants to write a new Spider-Man, but they want to write it differently. They want to do an older Spider-Man or a more futuristic one, or they want to do Iron Man differently. So the multiverse allowed them to like experiment with different versions of characters, gender bend them, change them, do whatever they wanted, and just say, oh, this is 
Earth 626 or Earth 345. Yeah. And just make it a different universe all com- completely. Um, and then they could erase that if they wanted to or st- stick to a continuity with it. And I think what's going to happen now with the MCU is that people are going to... They're going to start going to the point where... Yeah, you can watch it all as they come out. And there's going to be hits and misses. But there's going to be people who maybe like me like, all right, cool, I'd rather just go see what happens after Loki. So I'm going to go straight to Ant-Man and Quantumania. I'll skip um, Multiverse of Madness, skip Wakanda Forever, stuff that has nothing to do with it. Because mm-hmm. um, as many people out there who've probably read the comics like continually, nobody read it for the first time from the very first comic all the way through all the storylines in the direct continuity. Everybody has their favorite character that they picked up read the comics and somewhere... They came across a storyline that had a little annotation in there saying, see, Amazing Spider-Man uh, Ultimate number 456 and know what the hell they're talking about here in this scene. Yep, <laughs> exactly. So, I'm not going to say like the movies are going to start doing that, but it's going to be like... It's going to start to feel like that. You're going to start sure. skipping movies because, hey, maybe you don't care about Black Panther or where they go with it next because I kind of don't. And maybe I'll be interested in watching, going back and watching it when I see them all come back together again for another Avengers thing or something like that. And see how it does tie in. Yeah. Get a better appreciation for it or something. But I'll be more interested in seeing more movies that have to deal with Kang because I think he's a more interesting villain than anything that they throw out yet. Yeah. And also I really love that actor. (laughs) Yeah. Jonathan Majors is his name. He played Atticus, I believe. I know. Every time I see him, I'm like, it's Atticus. Yeah. Atticus in Lovecraft Country. Yeah. He's the new villain in Cree Three. Cree Three, um, really good actor and does a brilliant job here. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he almost walked out of his Marvel uh, inter- uh, audition because like they were taking too long to get to him, and he's like, "Well, I can just leave if you guys don't have time for me." Yeah, it's like I have a HBO money now, bitches. Bye. But it's like he gets to play an awesome character because be- playing Kang is like he doesn't have to play with just one version of it. He's already played two versions. And well, then, like, we, yeah, when this movie came out, it was just two versions. Two versions. Then, like, the ending sequence, we see three more versions of him. And then we see a million different versions of the King of the, Con- like King of the Conqueror versions of him popping up. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see that, oh, wow, this is a character that anytime they, they keep killing him, like, he keeps showing up as a villain in every movie moving forward, that'd be cool. And they'll keep defeating him, but there's an infinite number more of them. Um, and it's going to be interesting like, how you tie it up to to completely defeat him. Mm-hmm. Don't know how they did it in the comics. Like I said, I never read the Dynasty comics. Um, and like Kang and like Thanos are like huge villains that had their huge story arcs of the Infinity War, which were like these big things of like every character in the universe coming together to fight one person. How are they going to do it with this where they're probably going to have like multiple versions of every single hero yeah. fighting all the Kangs? And even this king, this movie had told Ant Man's like, did I, how many times have I killed you before? I don't know. I don't don't fucking I can't remember, remember you. you. Are you the one with the hammer? I don't know. Um, so like he knows he can. His arrogance is what his, his weakness is. And it'll be interesting to see how that's exploited amongst all the other kings, and if it really does just come down to Kang having to defeat himself, yeah, <laughs> and then ending up back where we were with Loki, where it's like. All right. Take over the TVA or fucking kill me and we do all this all over again. Um, the other end credit sequence is really cool because it ties yes. in... What, back to Loki. Back to Loki where Loki and Morbius are like in like 1800s or something. Or turn of the century. Yeah, at like an expose of the scientists talking about time and how... And possibly, t- possibly time travel. 
and it's them in the audience, and the guy talking is Kang, another variation of him. And movie's like, he doesn't look threatening, and Loki's like, no, it's definitely him. That's yeah. that's definitely one of them. Um, because all Kang told us in Loki was that he was a scientist who discovered how to travel across multiverses, and at first there was peace and sharing ideas, and then there's other versions of him that were not so peaceful that said, fuck you, I'm going to take over. And then there's a huge multiverse war that threatened to destroy everything because they eventually got to a point where they were able to destroy timelines, which was what Kang the Conqueror was doing. But obviously, the other Kangs threw him out because they figured out, put him in the quantumverse and he can't get out mm-hmm. and he can't do anything. And as far as we know, that Kang is still trapped there. We don't know. We don't know if he's alive, yeah. if dead. So they can always bring back Kang the Conqueror because in... Every comic book, no one truly dies. Yeah, and with the multiverse being infinite, it it's like that. And that's what I liked about the Loki, Loki because they show you the timeline as, as a circle in one beam of light, and then when it starts branching off, you don't just have one or two branches. Like every little like lightning bolt line that comes off those little branches are other little universes, and it gets so massive that that's where you really see the scope of it all. And it's like there's infinite numbers of everything happening. And why condensing it down to one timeline was like the only solution can come up with to kind of keep peace. So there's only one version of everybody. Mm-hmm. But it also creates a dilemma that was in Loki where like uh, Sylvie's character was pruned off just because she was a female Loki. Yeah. And not for any other fucking reason other than you're not the Loki that needs to be here. So you're going to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> um, hence... Or you're the Loki that killed Thor or you're alligator loki or yeah like or like classic loki who escaped thanos and kept himself in exile but the moment he decided to check up on his family he immediately got pruned and and was taken out of the timeline Mm -hmm. um so it'd be interesting to see where they go because the possibilities are anything and there's no way to really predict what's going to happen because even whatever happened in the comics i'm sure they'll deviate from that oh they've already been deviating from the comic books which is what a lot of comic book fans have issues with the MCU. But like you said, MCU is its own thing. It's its own branch of comics. Right now, they're, like with Murdoch, you, just using names yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and the thing was, like, after we left the theater last night, there was a guy who was upset that <laughs> Modoc was done wrong. It's like, oh, they didn't make Modoc threatening enough. Or, they did him dirty. Or he was not, he was not done correctly. He's supposed to be this menacing force it's like dude he's a head with little arms and legs i feel like he was a joke in the comic books he's a joke here yeah it I makes mean... sense to me but i mean if fine if you use your favorite villain he's your favorite villain but this is a character i feel like you don't use the source material from the comics you use the source material you're building which is okay we're gonna bring modok in it how do we bring him into this okay let's take the yellow jacket guy who we thought might have died but really got shrunk down into nothingness into like a singularity Let's say that turned him into Modok, and boom, now we have Modok. Yeah. And boom, Modok. I guess he died. I mean, at the first second, I thought he was faking it. Like no, no, his little heart pulse thing went finally, red. Finally, red, red died. Okay. Yeah. Because like it was a ridiculous kind of death scene where he's like, I finally get to be an Avenger. Like, yeah, it's sure, like, you're oh, an Avenger. Avenger. <laughs> yeah, good job, guy. Um. It it was a very jokey end to him, but yeah. it's like. Yeah, let's not linger on this too long, guys. Let's wrap him away. I mean, that's pretty much how anime goes, right? Because how they defeat King, it was fucking ants. Yeah. <laughs> Ant, Hank the Pim, ants came back. The revolution started. Spoiler. Fucking 
Kang was kind of beating the shit out of everybody and starting to fear and then Hank Pym shows up with his super smart ants who and they're shrinking down to the quantum verse end up living a thousand lifetimes all in like an hour and built their own technology and have their own stuff going on but can still communicate with Hank through his earpiece um, end up coming in and fucking taking out Kang. Yeah. At least taking him out to the point or overwhelming him to the point because they're fucking ants and there's a ton of fucking ton of them uh, that he couldn't f- hold them back, and then it comes down well, to Ant Man the Wasp uh, help break down the shield. Yeah, broke his shield, and the ants yeah, basically kind of, tore, started tearing the shit out of him. <laughs> but even in the end, that didn't kill Kang. It ended up being Hope it just and wounded him and, a little bit. Yeah, Hope and Scott, who basically knocked him into his his energy thing, which for some reason sucked him in, which we don't know why that happened. It, they, they a lot of stuff doesn't get explained because that's the thing, like. They don't explain any of Kang's technology, and I don't think they ever will, just because it's just say, oh, it's so advanced, we don't know how it works. Yeah. Yeah, easy, be... easy writer. Yeah, okay. and I honestly think, like, what we'll end up seeing might, if it's going to be anything like Endgame, it would be like, they're going to go on a multiverse adventure recruiting different versions of themselves to mm-hmm. fight Kang. But I also just don't see them kind of not going that route or doing that in a different way, because... There's an infinite number of Kangs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like there's just 10 of them they have to fight. There's a fucking infinite number of them. Uh, where That's why I believe Loki has to come back into it to end it all. So Loki's going to play some key figure in ending this this villain's phase of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it was a very fun movie. It had the, had the comedy that MCUs have, had the good, good pacing. I missed that Michael Pena wasn't in it because we didn't yes. have the... The, uh, the hey, mom this, and the stepdad to hope. Yeah, we didn't have and we didn't have like or not hope. Well, we didn't have or, have like Scott's group of fr- friends there yeah. and have that like story moment where he's telling a story about what's going on or how somebody was trying to reach him. That's always been a good comic relief, but I can see that yeah they've done that in two movies already. They probably don't want to burn out that joke. Um, hopefully, they come back maybe later on in the future. That'd be great to see Michael Pena and that group of people back again. Mm-hmm. Um. But visuals are outstanding throughout this whole thing. Um, Jonathan uh, Majors does it great as the villain, and I'm excited to see him play this villain over and over again in different ways. And I'm definitely excited to see Loki's season two, which should be coming out later this year, to see where that show goes um, and how they're going to tie that back into the movies because maybe we're going to have a full-blown Loki movie. That would be cool to wrap up everything. Mobius and Loki Something like that could mean it's almost like a buddy cop thing now. But, like, <laughs> there's a bunch of different TVAs, too, obviously. Yeah. That's kind of how it ended in Loki. So, it'll be interesting to see where they go. It's just the possibilities are endless. That's why it's exciting to see this one. instead of being, like, with Infinity War, it was real obvious that, okay, cool. Thanos is going to get it, get the Infinity Stones. Avengers are going to have to get them back. And they're going to have to defeat Thanos. Mm-hmm. They did that in a really cool way where with entering the time travel stuff. Um, but you can't just use time travel to, to solve everything. So they're going to have to just right. find a new way to solve this multiverse issue. Yeah. Which should be fairly interesting. So if you get a chance, go check out uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I think it's really good. It's, another, it's a good stepping, jumping on point after Spider-Man No Way Home. Um I would skip Wakanda forever. I feel like that has no implication at all for what's going to happen. Because, mm-hmm. like, they're not even involved in this situation yet. They're too... Like, any Marvel movie that has to concern themselves nothing about what's happening on Earth 
has nothing to do with what the next big arc is. And, like, they're they're going to be thrown in there like, hey, you have to help us fight, and they'll just be there for a few fight scenes and add nothing really major to it because the villain in Wakanda Forever, I don't see, can't see being... uh, Coming back. Coming back or having any big uh, consequences because he's not even a god. Because in uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, you actually see the winged serpent gods in the auditorium of gods. Yeah. So it's not that dude, even though that his people call him that. <clears throat> um, don't care about the new kind of Iron Man girl that was in that movie. And they just really like gloss over her. Like I don't know. I feel like they didn't put much effort into her character and build her up to be the next Iron Man. Yeah, which I think is where she's supposed to end up being. But yeah. it's like, she won't have any of the resources or support that Iron Man have, mm-hmm. has. Um, the Spider-Man universe was cool, but they put Spider-Man back to where he originally is in the comics, where he is alone and on his own with yep, no support. Just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <clears throat> um, it'll be interesting to see him get pulled into something more, maybe, because he is such a big popular character in the Marvel Universe. Well, I hope. It depends if Sony will say, yep, you could play with our Spider-Man again. Well, they have the MCU Spider-Man. They don't have Venom. They'll have to be able to put, pull Venom yeah, back Yeah, but they it. still had to ask permission to use nah. Spider-Man. Um, it'd be really interesting if the multiverse ends up... It'd be strange if they end up pulling in Spider-Verse. Yeah. Because Multiverse of Madness showed that there's animated, there's weird different multiverses that could be anything. Mm-hmm. Technically, the animated Spider-Verse could get pulled into MCU. But again, that's another thing that they need Sony's permission for. And if they keep it separate, I'd be fine if they kept it separate. But <clears throat> it would be interesting to see. Because Spider-Man definitely does an arc in the multiverse, which is where the Spider-Verse is. Um, but so do all the other characters in the MCU. Um, I feel like they fucked over Wanda, but they'll probably bring her back as a hero. <clears throat> and it's hope if they never bring the Eternals back, I'll be fine with that. Yeah, Just they like, don't need to touch that. Like, ever don't again. have them show up ever again. Absolutely Good. fine. Um, but yeah, go see. Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania thought it was really good it's a good jumping in point again if you're getting tired of MCU movies and you stop watching them this would be a good point to jump back in just to see what's going on that's a good one to do <laughs> it's a good one to do because it's also a full introduction to the villain it's not like just a teaser of hey here's his face or here he is like in Loki Loki it feels like it's a teaser but it's a teaser that explains it's a, a lot l- yeah and it's a elongated <laughs> teaser yeah. it takes up Almost the full episode, or at least half the episode, that he's in. Yeah, I think the whole last episode is basically they meet him and he explains everything about the multiverse to them and what's going on. <clears throat> um, it's a great introduction to Kang. This is a great introduction to King of the Conqueror and the King Dynasty. I'm excited to see where it goes. You should definitely go watch it. It'll be worth your time. Um, and we'll let you know if the next Marvel movie will be where they looks like the next one would be Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume three, 3, which is probably wrapping up Guardians. So they'll probably won't be in. Well, they're not going to be in the rest of the MCU. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they're not. Um, that one, you definitely need to watch the Guardians holiday special on Disney Plus mm-hmm. because they drop some major uh not spoilers, but they drop some major information that will probably going, tie into this. It will definitely tie into this, and they'll make references to it. And if you haven't seen it, you'll be like, when did that happen? When yeah. did we find this out? Who's why, Cosmo? Like, why is this there? 
Um, so definitely watch that before you watch Volume 3. Yeah. Um, they've done a good job of tying the TV shows into the movies, which I think is going to be the big thing with this Minus phase. Wanda. Yeah, minus Wanda because <laughs> Sam Raimi didn't bother to watch fucking WandaVision, which is a stupid thing to do. Hopefully Kevin Feige now knows, like, if you're going to make a movie that's going to be based off of stuff that's tied from our TV shows, they make them watch the TV show and makes them use that as source material instead of them going on their own story. Because, mm-hmm. um, honestly, Sam Raimi fucked himself. <laughs> I would never hire him to do another Marvel movie after Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, so let us know what you think. Uh, you can find us at nerdcrusade.com. Uh, where you can write comments and let us know what you think um, or listen to our podcast wherever podcasts are found. We're on all the platforms there. Um, and please think about hitting subscribe and uh, catching us every week as we talk about whatever our fancy is, whether it be the new video game of the week, new movie. We're going to be here every week talking about something. Uh, Forks something out of us. <laughs> yeah, whether it be a tech talk, a TV show, a video game, a movie, there'll be something for us to talk about. Um, there's some big stuff starting to come up because we're about to hit March <clears throat> where we start getting the tinkling of, of summer movies start, uh, Cocaine coming out. Bear. I'm not going to watch Cocaine oh, Bear. come on. Let's watch Cocaine Bear. We'll stream that. I'm not going to go to the theater. Ah. All right. Thanks for watching and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.